Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina with his family and his pups, Sally and Meadow. He founded the amazing recruiting company, Stellar Recruiting, to help people find the work that they love, specifically in advertising and marketing. He has spent decades starting, growing, and leading agencies and their clients to success. He's become well-known as a connector of people and opportunities. And as a unicorn hunter, he loves building relationships with creatives, marketers, and entrepreneurs to connect people as opportunities arise. In other words, he's somebody you definitely need to know. And he's also one of the most selfless and generous individuals I've ever met. Welcome to the show, one of my great friends, Jamie Mulliken. Hey, Jamie. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Uh, Like I said in the intro there, Jamie, you are truly a connector of people and... Uh, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt, but you're one of the most genuinely selfless and generous people I've ever met. You have this seemingly natural talent to create an environment of trust because you're genuinely interested in other people and love to help people live their best lives. Jamie, how do you develop that ability to create rapport and trust so quickly with people? I don't really know. You know, I think on the, like the strength finders tests, like my number one is relator. So I've just always been Comfortable talking to people, you know, um, getting to know people, like hearing their stories. Um, and it's just what was something I've always done. And you have taken a lot of different courageous leaps of faith throughout your career. Most recently, you quit an agency at an age when most people would be stuck in their ruts and waiting for retirement. Tell us a little bit about some of those challenges that you've come across throughout the years, this career, and uh, what have you learned from them? I joke and say that my business card has an expiration date every four years. I just enjoyed kind of doing things and finding the next challenge. And, you know, I had, I had started a business uh, very young and and um, kind of young and dumb. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and got going early and um, had some success with that. And then the, you know, the financial crisis hit in 08 and I decided to kind of go give corporate stuff a try. So I did that for about a decade and staring at 50 um, in 2021. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I really have uh, kind of held this itch back for about a decade and I I, I really want to do something on my own. So um, just kind of started processing through what that would look like. And um, this late summer of 2021, um, I was working at an agency here in Greenville and the owner and I were really good friends and I was you know, helping him, him run that and just told him, I was like, I think the time is going for me to do something different. So um, I didn't want to uh, regret, you know, kind of between 50 and 60, not starting something again. And I'm sure that you it was a calculated risk for you, but still there were challenges starting your own thing. Tell us about some of those challenges that you've come up against and how did you overcome them? Um, I'm not good at calculating risks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there really wasn't a master plan. I mean, I um, I knew I wanted to do something and... 
you know, both my parents own their own businesses. So I grew up in a very entrepreneurial um, home and then you know, went to college with a plan of, I'm going to get a graphic design degree, go to work in an ad agency and start an ad agency by the time I'm 25. Like that, I didn't even know what an ad agency was, but like, that was just what I was going to do. And so that worked and I ended up with a, a career in advertising and then that led to corporate marketing. And then as I was trying to figure out what to do and in 21, you know, Adam Landrum asked me, he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm not going to start an agency. <laughs> like that's the one thing I know is I'm not going to do that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to figure out. And so yeah. um, as a marketing guy, it's pretty easy to kind of throw a shingle up and, you know, do some freelance or pick up clients. And as I was offboarding it up and up, um, which was the AT I was at for about three or four months, I was just kind of processing like, well, you know, what, what I think this is going to look like. And I just decided to treat 2022 as every business as opportunity as a project and see where the projects take me. And I've had a couple of goals. I didn't want to sell hours for dollars. So I didn't really want to be in the service business. Wanting to own a business that I could apply my own skills and talents to. You know, something of value. So building a business of value over a decade, not trying to make a million bucks or anything, but just having something that, you know, I was investing in and, and doing on my own. And then even one of my things was I would love my kids to be a part of it one day. You know, my, my father's business now is fourth generation and my nephews work for my brother who works for my dad. So that's pretty cool. I just chose not to go that path. But I was like, I, you know, I, I, it would be cool to have something like that. And so um, I just started, you know, picking up some projects. And as I was doing that, Adam it up and I actually said, hey, why don't you do some recruiting for me? You're, you've always enjoyed it. Yeah. And I just said, all right, that's a project. Here's the hairs, how we would scope that and I'll go do it. And uh, threw it out in February and it just stuck. You seem to be very much a, a family man too. Like you've, you've got a great balance between what you're doing and uh, keeping your family at the core of what you do. How do you, how do you strike that balance? How do you make sure? Cause I know when you, when most people start a new company, it consumes your life. How are you keeping that balance, Jamie? So that's definitely um, something I've learned the hard way you know, in my, in my earlier career being self-employed with small kids. I think I way over identified with work, you know, and you just kind of let work drive me versus me having any form of balance. And, you know, that it did damage. So that's one of the things I openly talk about is like, you know, the idea of being on all the time, or, I mean, I do naturally hustle, but like the idea of kind of the hustle culture and on and working nights and weekends. And I think I learned looking back that, you know, that doesn't pay off, you know, in the end. So really trying to figure out a way that I can, you know, invest my time and energies, do it well. I'm naturally wired to work nights and weekends. So I got to give myself some boundaries, but then spend a lot of time with my family. So, I mean, my, my wife is a triathlete. So we spend a lot of time supporting her and my kids, you know, are 22, 22 and 20 now. So We've got a house full of adults, but um, we just try to hang out and do stuff together. So you learned a lot the hard way the first time. Have you set, like you, you talked about setting boundaries. Do you have specific, like, hey, I don't work after X, X o'clock or is it, hey, you know what? I try to work. I try to just spend at least a few hours a day with family. Is it more of just a general guideline or do you have hard and fast rules? No, I don't really have anything hard and fast. I mean, I think the thing I've tried to settle into is that idea that I'm just not that important. 
<laughs> you know, like if, if I don't work tonight, the world is not going to fall apart. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm not center of the universe. So like how, you know, how much do I really need to do to keep everything moving versus, you know, when is it just okay to just kind of chill and take some time? I, I have had a good pattern for a long time of just not working Saturdays at all. But now, I mean, back, I'm in startup mode. So like, you know, I have to try to, to have balance, but at the same time, you gotta, you gotta keep things moving. Yeah. So you talk about this hustle culture out there, but there's also on the other end of the spectrum, we've get, we here recently, we've got this new term called quiet quitting, right? How, how did these things come to be Jamie, first of all? So I think I probably understand the hustle culture more than the quiet quitting. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think if you're, you know, if you're, if you're motivated and hungry and, you know, want to, want to do something on your own, you know, it takes a lot of energy. It takes from an entrepreneur perspective, like perseverance. I mean, you have to be able to persevere. I think in my career, I've, I've actually probably not persevered enough. Like that's why I've hopped. Like, you know, I do something for a while, get interested, have fun, and then want to do something different. But I think now I'm in this mode where I'm like, no, perseverance is what I have to focus on, you know, to really to really do what I would I want to do with the business. Now, there's a balance between like having skills and talents and applying those and wanting to work hard because you're wired to do it versus wanting to work hard because you want the credit. There's a lot of, you know, hustle culture that's about credit versus just I'm just wired to work. So I enjoy it. So I want to do it well. But I also don't want to over-identify and, you know, my whole life, my identity is wrapped up in it. So it's more about doing the work because you enjoy working, not necessarily doing the work because I enjoy the things it brings me. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. I, I'm a high extrovert, so affirmation is part of how I'm wired, but gut checking that it's like, I really actually enjoy working well. Yeah. You know, I enjoy doing good work. I enjoy being a part of teams. I enjoy growing teams. Yeah, that comes with affirmation at times, and a lot of times it doesn't. <laughs> but it's not for the affirmation itself. It's not for the for the ego, or that's actually why I you know, named my company Stellar. Is I want I want to build a business that's bigger than me, but it takes me to get it started. And b- being in that recruiting area, here we are at the beginning of 2023 in January. I don't know if this is. Uh, one of the major times of year that people do job seeking, job changing, job hunting, probably because they just got their Christmas bonus and they're ready to get a new new career, whatever. Because you have so much knowledge in, in of this industry and you've got oh, decades worth of experience here, what tips would you give for some of these job seekers as far as resumes, interviews, training, stuff like that? Statistically, you know, January and February is one of the or two of the most popular months for job changes. And that is, I think, due to a lot of those reasons. Like you get to the end of the year, fresh restarts. Obviously, right now there's a lot going on, you know, economically. So there's a lot of people looking for work. I mean, I my thing, and I think it's goes back to kind of how I'm wired, is you know, timing is everything. So just you know, building relationships for the long haul over time, building a strong network. So that when you are ready to make a move, you've you've got some relationships. I think it's uh, anything starting from scratch is hard. So I tell right. I tell clients like if you're you decide you need someone, it probably took you some time to do that to figure that out, and now you're going to go post that job, right? You're you're starting at zero. Whereas working with a recruiter like myself, like I'm building you know a network and, and a candidate pool. So if I can work with a client, you know my goal is to get them candidates quicker to fill that role so that those employees are revenue generating faster. 
So I really focus on advertising and marketing roles. You know, that's um, I'm, I'm just connecting with people all day, every day. So I guess from the candidate side, I would say the same thing is one, find recruiters. The recruiters will be your advocate. They usually have multiple relationships and positions that they're working. So build those relationships every time. Yeah, I mean, and, and stand out. I mean, that's I think the going back to the quiet uh, quitting thing, like I just I don't understand that. Um, you know, right, like, right. If you're going to just barely show up, then I don't want to place you and I don't want to hire you. You know, so right. if, if you can kind of demonstrate that you have a passion for what you're doing, you're looking to work, be a part of a team, figure out what your value proposition for yourself is and you just make sure that you're communicating that to you know, your network or whatever applications you're trying to, or positions you're trying to apply for. I mean, I'm the resume stack is not the way to get a job. So, you know, I don't think, you know, just uh, hitting the easy apply button on LinkedIn 30 times a day. Like, I don't think that's the best way to do it. Gotcha. So just throwing out a ton of resumes isn't as good as developing that network, number one. And then, like you said, talking to recruiters, because recruiters have been in the game. They they know what uh, what's out there. They know what's going on in the industry. Uh, what about as far as far as like the interview process? Let's say somebody gets uh, an interview. Any tips as far as the prepping for that or, or things they should say or shouldn't say? I mean, I think at a minimum, you just got to show up as your best. So, I mean, I think if it's uh, obviously Zoom interviews are far more common today than in-person interviews. But I mean, being prepared, doing your research, knowing who you're interviewing with, why, why you want that position. You know, it's uh, interviewing as a sales process. So, yeah. you know, fancy yourself as a salesperson and now you've got to kind of know how to create the value that you want to, that you want to provide and uh, have questions. You know, I think that's, it's interesting when you, through the years of interviewing people, when you're like, okay, then, then, you know, let's flip over. Do you have any questions for us? And if someone's like, no, I think you've answered them all. It's like, well, I, that's not necessarily a good sign for a, for a candidate. So why is that not a good sign for a candidate? If, if they've had that conversation with someone and they come to the end of the interview and they don't have any questions, I mean, could, could that be an honest thing? Like, Hey, you've already answered all my questions or what, is there something that the interviewer is looking for in those questions? Yes, it could be honest if they actually have answered all their questions, <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a conversation, right? So it's not right. about the company asking the candidate the questions. It's about the candidate also interviewing the company. So, you know, if you're, if you, I would say backing up to, you know, if I'm looking for a job right now, you know, my question when I'm interviewing people is, you know, first is why now, you know, like what, what's, what's the trigger. Um, and second is if you could shape your next gig, what would it look like? And actually getting people to know like, Oh, well, actually this is what I want to do. And then this is why, and then when you're in those conversations, because you've had that that plan and that goal, then you should have questions to ask. I think you should you should know what you're looking for in that position as well. Now, should people go online and just do a Google search on, hey, here's some great questions to ask? Or should they, like you said, doing more of the research and then as they're doing the research, coming across questions or just questions that are personal to them? Like, hey, how does it how's the culture here or things like I don't know. What do you feel like that there are certain great questions to always ask, Jamie? No, I mean, I think it depends on the person. Some people, it's more natural to just have questions and conversations. Other people may need to do some research, think about what some strategic questions are. You know, I, I think listening is really powerful. So yeah. I mean, if I interview a candidate and 
they just start talking. I'm not going to interrupt them at this point, like as they kind of get into the groove. But as a candidate, I used to be far more interested in what the hiring manager has to say or the recruiter has to say about the position and asking them those questions. So I think listening is very important. I guess it depends on the position, but you know what a good question is, you know, in this position, like what's something that's worked really well in the past? Like who have you seen succeed in this role? And then, you know, all right. So the flip side of that is in this position, like tell me something that hasn't worked out well. What time did you make a bad hire and why? Like if I'm a candidate asking those questions, I'm really getting deeper insights from them. That's the goal is what success look like for this position and how can I demonstrate to them that I can provide that? Yeah. So talking with recruiters, not just hitting the the easy apply button on LinkedIn, but obviously you said that interviewing is a sales game. So maybe people should take some kind of sales training courses online or something like that. What do you think on any of that stuff, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always good to be improving yourself, right? So whatever that looks like for you, if you, if you have areas that you're not confident in, then yes, I would find ways to learn about that and invest in yourself in those. But then also there's the basics, right? There's like, is my camera aligned at my head? Like I get on interviews and I'll tell people like, hey, you mind turning your camera up? <laughs> because it's like half their head's cropped off. You know, like just get the basics, right? Show up on time, have a good presentation. Don't have light behind you, like on a Zoom call, because then you're back and you can't see someone's face. You make sure that you know how to turn your camera on and that you're sound works. I mean, I'm I'm probably 20% of my interviews are you're popping on and someone's having a video or an audio issue. Now, sometimes that's just Zoom or Google Meets or whatever you're on, but sometimes it's just not being prepared. The interview market has changed a lot just in the last, what, three, four years here, right? It was unheard of to do virtual interviews prior to 2020. And now it's kind of the norm. Yeah. And even when I'm trying to press clients to do in person of like a first round, it's always now it's just more uh, efficient to do the initial Zoom just to get that gut check, you know, kind of get a general vibe, make sure that as a recruiter, you know, my job is to find people that match qualifications. And then right. I can only do so much to decide if they're going to be the right cultural fit. Some clients say, hey, I want you to find people that match our culture. And I'm like, well, I'm that's kind of like setting two people up on a blind date. You know, it's like I want to make yeah. sure. I've got the, the the mandatories, I've got the qualifications, I've prepped them on what the culture may be like, but the, you know, the, the hiring manager and the, or the company and the candidate got to get together and decide on both sides, like, is this the right culture fit for us? This is great advice, Jamie. I appreciate you bringing all this because I know that, like you said, this is very timely. A lot of people right now, January and February are reaching out. I do want us to pivot real quick though, because I feel like I am very curious and interested because you've got so many years of experience and you've you know changed career paths a couple of times. You've taken what you call uncalculated risks, whatever that may be. What are Jamie's keys to success? What are your secrets to success? If, if you had to boil it down to maybe your top one or your top three, hey, you know what? I feel like success in general in life. Here's some things that it may take. I mean, show up. Right. So that eliminates quiet quitters. <laughs> yeah. That's mentally and physically, right? Like have your head in your work when you're when you're supposed to be engaged and then work hard, serve others and create value. I mean, to me, those are the, the four things that any of us should be doing when we show up to work every day. A manager perspective, one of the questions I like asking 
and one-on-ones when I'm managing a team is asking that question of, do you feel more valuable today than you did yesterday? Hmm. And usually people are going to pause and be like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, all right, do you feel more valuable today than you were a month ago? Yeah. And then people start thinking about stuff and the type of work they've been doing. They're like, oh, yeah. I don't think, do you feel more valuable today than you do a year ago? And people, when they look back and they can see, kind of reflect on that growth, it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the challenges um, from a culture perspective is everybody wants everybody happy, right? <laughs> but growth doesn't happen when everybody's happy. So I think that, you know, a lot of times you can be in, um, regard, I don't depending on what business you're on, but pressure, right? Someone recently said pressure is a privilege. And I think there's some truth in that, right? It's like when yeah. you're in pressure, when there's a lot of stuff going on, when you may not know what the right answer is, you get on the other side of that and you look back and that's where the growth happened. So I, I think uh, like cultural sentiment in a company is a very challenging thing because if we're like, hey, we want everybody happy. It's like, all right, we're probably going to be pretty stagnant. Right, right. Growth always happens outside of your comfort zone, right? So it's going to be stretching, which isn't always a fun thing to do. Correct. Growth isn't always fun. So if you're just trying to cater to happiness, yeah, you're you're not going to grow. I understand that. I love that show up too, because show up, uh, I once heard, and I don't know if the, who said this or where the quote came from, but like 80% of all success is just showing up on time with a good attitude. Yeah. My mom owned an interior design furniture store. So me and all my friends work for them delivering furniture and all that type of stuff. And I remember my dad saying, when you don't know what to do, do something. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, I would say analysis paralysis is a very dangerous thing. Like when you just, when you're just, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee, it's like just you, to create value in yourself, you have to be doing something. Yeah. Wow. When you don't know what to do, do something. That's that's some good advice right there. I mean, it's very simple, but yeah, <laughs> it's stuck. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, especially, you know, I've got a kind of a melancholy personality. And sometimes people with that personality style or a phlegmatic personality style can just tend to overanalyze. And when the more choices you have, the more decisions, the more options you have, the harder it is to make a decision. But just saying, hey, when you don't know what to do, just do something. Yeah. A decision is better than no decision. Absolutely. Okay. And then let's jump into serve others. I love that one too. That's one of my favorite ones, serve others. Because I, I think that's Jamie right there. That is that is on target with Jamie Mulliken. Um, You are a huge servant of others and you know selfless, generous. Dive into that, Jamie. Give us some nuggets on serving others. Well, one, thank you. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I deserve that, but just... I've always enjoyed connecting people. You know, I think I ended up being an accidental, accidental recruiter because, I mean, years back, I mean, over a decade or more, people would call and say, hey, I'm looking for someone. Do you know anyone? And I've just always kind of helped connect the dots with people. And, you know, I, I'm just doing it because I enjoy doing that. Yeah. I joke and say, I just, you know, I, I collect friends and relationships, you know, it's just, it's yeah. just what I enjoy doing. Um, but then part of it is retaining and being like, oh, I know Jonathan. Oh yeah. He's, this is, oh yeah, that'd be a good thing for, you know, the, the, he should talk to this person. So just figuring out how to connect people and connect dots is something I've always enjoyed doing. I took a really good friend, previous boss, Adam, to tell me like, you need to do this. Like, I will pay you to do this for me because you need to do it. And, you know, he kind of pushed me out there. And then I'm like, yeah, I've, all, I've always just enjoyed connecting people. And now I get to do it every day. 
Very interesting. So how do you keep that Rolodex fresh in your own brain? Because it seems like the more people you add to it, the more friends you collect, the harder it is to remember. Oh yeah, I forgot Jonathan over here. He does this, or I forgot that Joe over here or, or Sally or Fred, you know, th- these people that that'd be a good person. How do you keep track of all that stuff, Jamie? Yeah, I used to do it in my head. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and just, you know, whether it's, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of retained it. My brain's rows and columns like a spreadsheet. So I just got to you know, park different things <laughs> in different places. But once I started interviewing, I think I had probably 350 interviews last year with new people. And it's, wow. at that point, it's like, all right, you lose track. So definitely from a recruiting perspective now, I have CRMs and systems and you know, I've got tags and stuff where I can kind of dig people up. But LinkedIn so visual for me because I can see photos and put a name with a face. It's been a great, I would say, networking tool for me for 15 years. Well, let's uh, let's jump into talking about stellar recruiting then. You know, I really want to tell us a little bit about stellar recruiting. I, obviously, you told us a little bit about how it came to be, but what do you guys do? What 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 sets you apart? What's your specialty? Um, whatever you want to tell us. Tell us anything about stellar recruiting. Yeah, so I mean, Stellar's recruiting firm, I focus on ad agencies of 100 employees or less. I've put that limiter on there because once you get bigger than that, there's a lot of you know agencies that are owned by holding companies. And you know, my lane that I've spent most of my career in is the 25-person agency world. As an agency owner, I was you know connected to a lot of, of other agency owners kind of in that space. And by kind of having multiple iterations, you know, kind of joking on my hopping every four years, you know, I've got to experiment in a bunch of different labs. Right. So I've got to kind of start an agency, grow that, be a part of getting that moving and then hump jumped out, started a consulting company with some clients and got that moving and then did another agency and then went corporate and built teams. So it's like I've just had the opportunity to kind of experiment in various capacities. And a lot of agency owners started an agency because they persevered. Right. They've stayed in there and they really just know their thing. And they're, and they're looking for people that have external experience um, who can help them figure out like, you know, where do we find these people? What do we do? So my outbound marketing focus is on those smaller agencies. Inbound, you know, I've got lots of corporate marketing, you know, relationships. So I've got some um, large international companies I'm doing corporate marketing positions for, uh, vice president of marketing positions. Um, When those come my way, it's a very similar candidate base. But for the most part, really, I am focused on helping small to medium-sized agencies hire and retain great talent. So you mentioned persevere, and this this is kind of jumping back to getting Jamie's success principles, but how do you know when whatever you're doing is something that, hey, you know what, I just need to keep pushing in this, or when it's time to, you know what, it's time to change lanes? Uh, scorecards. I'm uh, a big fan of, of EOS. I don't know if y'all, if you're, you or your listeners know the entrepreneurial operating system, but, um, you know, at scale, that's a great, uh, way to, I think, to a great framework for a business. But even for me, I've learned the scorecard discipline. So, you know, it's a very emotional game each week in the recruiting world. You can have really high peaks and really low valleys. So when I do my scorecard, sit down with my controller on Monday mornings and we go through that data, it's a very, it's, it's like, all right, I can find peace in knowing that I can either see the outcomes or I can see the activities that lead to the outcomes, regardless of the emotional roller coaster that I'm on. How do you keep it from being emotional? I mean, so it's just the scorecard because obviously some of those valleys can be pretty deep. How do you push through those? So I'm technically six months in, right? With a recruiting company. I started last spring, 
officially launched Tell Recruiting in July and went all in. So kind of looking back over the past six months, I've just, it's, I've just been blessed, right? It's been, it's been very good. I've been very fortunate. And I just have to, you know, look back in order to find the faith to look forward and just be like, all right, well, you know, here, here's where I was a week ago or a month ago or three months ago. And then just making sure that I'm doing the right things. And none of us know what tomorrow brings. So just kind of wake up each day, give it my best effort, make sure I'm trying to focus on the right stuff. Kind of a recruiting mentor of mine told me, don't do the math, right? So do the work, don't do the math. So it's very similar, like I would assume, like being a real estate agent, right? You get houses under contract, you know, you're going to get a commission or whatever. You start mentally attaching yourself to that, to the money. And I just try not to do that. It's just strictly like do the metrics, do the work, my incentives to help people that love to work, find the work that they love. Really cool thing that hit me six months or so ago is like the next phone call could be life-changing for someone. Yeah. So just, just all that optimism just keeps me getting up and going every day. And it helps that you actually love people and love doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually my, uh, that's become my, my stellar mantra. So is it's, I heart the work. Yeah. That's my LinkedIn profile. That's my, uh, my stickers and my brand. And, and part of that is in advertising as an industry, it, it's a fairly magical industry. You know, we get to uh, go in every day and um, as creatives and create stuff from scratch. When you do that in a really cool environment with a fun team, it's, it's just, it's the only industry I know is so I can't necessarily compare it to others, but it's magical. It's fun, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that's the whole idea of loving the work is not just loving your job, but it's in advertising and marketing, actually loving the creation of the work that you're doing. Where can someone find you? Where can they find Stellar Recruiting, Jamie? StellarRecruiting.com. That's my site. Um, on, obviously, Stellar, Stellar, spell that for everybody. S-T-E-L-L-A-R. Okay. Then R-E-C-R-U-I-T-I-N-G.com. Yeah, so I, I keep my you know site active with my job board on there. Obviously, as a recruiter, you live on LinkedIn. So you yeah. can find, find me on LinkedIn, Jamie Mulliken, J-A-M-I. N-U-L-L-I-K-I-N on LinkedIn and uh, happy to connect with you know, anyone in advertising or marketing that's looking to make a change or just wants to connect. All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country, and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over.